Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. So I'm going to continue the series I've been talking about uh, on the love of God. Uh, I titled, you know, I thought about a bunch of catchy names, but I just titled it Love. Um, And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, one quality of love, and I've titled the message, Love Considers Others First. It considers others first. Uh, But we'll use John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35 as our foundational text, and then just trust God with me that he'll give me the words to speak, and I'll say them in the way he wants them said so that we continue to grow as a church body in God's love. Amen? Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. And thank you so much for Jesus, the example he left us. And I just ask that as we approach your word today, that that your Holy Spirit will speak through me to your people. May your heart be heard in what we say. May our hearts be receptive to hear what you have to say to us. And that we would make a conscious choice today that what we hear, we will grow thereby. That we will make changes, that we will become more like Jesus through what we hear. So that when we leave here today, we can say we're better. I'm better because I came to church. And I just give you praise and thanks for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I said, we're teaching this subject on the love of God, and I've said, you know, every week, and I'll probably say it every week, that the love of God is the greatest thing that we can pursue in our relationship with God. Number one, to know His love and experience it ourselves, but also to show His love so that others that may not be as close to Him or may be in a difficult spot where they don't sense Him can experience His love as well. And so we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. You know, it's interesting, this this particular chapter sets at the beginning of a chapter where a lot of uh, the activity in the local church is, he's given instruction on the activity in the local church, but he sort of prefaces that whole chapter, uh, although the, how many of you realize the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse? We broke it up that way, so sometimes I think he moves from one subject to the next, from chapter to chapter, when actually it's a flowing letter that was written to these, these different churches. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, the writers felt this was a good place to break it off, um, and, and it makes sense, but it leads into, you know, how should we operate as a church body? In a church service, particularly in this chapter, but if you read it contextually in verse 12, chapter 12, 13, and 14, this is what he's really, this is the crux of what he says. At the end of verse 13, he says, desire all these things, but I show you a more excellent way. And then he says this, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your great quest. And, you know, it should be our goal as believers that the love of God is our greatest quest in our life. And that's what that verse says. That word love there is the word agape. It's not just natural love. It's not just, you know, because everybody's seeking love, right? You know, uh, but the kind of love that he's talking about here that should be our greatest quest is this Greek word. It's agape love. And it's the love that flows from the heart of God. It's a unique love. It's a love that you cannot obtain in this world without God. And that's so important to recognize. And so what he says here is he says, above all other goals, love should be our top aim. And so what we pointed out was that when we get up in the morning, 
when we, as believers, you know, because I said this in a previous uh, uh, message in this series, uh, you know, as believers, when we accepted Jesus, we accepted his way of living, right? Uh, some people think they just accepted a ticket to heaven, but we accepted his way of living. And, and, and certainly accepting Jesus gets you to heaven, not based on your works, right? You can't earn your way to heaven. But we also said, I recognize that because of what you did, that's an example I should follow. So I'm going to embrace a lifestyle that says, I'm going to live like you want me to live, right? And there's so many reasons why we should live the way he wants us to live. It, sa it saves us from pain. It saves us from hurting others, all sorts of reasons. But at the end of the day, living like Jesus lives and living like God wants us to live is summed up in these words. That, that we love one another, that we make love our goal, that we make the agape, God kind of love, our goal, right? And so as I was saying before I so rudely interrupted myself, when we get up in the morning, our goal should be, Lord, I don't, I, I don't necessarily, my, my goal isn't to get a bill met. My, my goal is not to earn a, 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 a lifelong dream that I've had. My goal is not to realize my great leadership potential. Lord, my goal in life is that I would be a more loving, Christ-like person in my life. That is my goal, right? That should be the goal of our life. I would encourage you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 6 and 8, uh, read that in Amplified. Read it every day and just put your name in the place of love because that should be the goal and aim of our life. And in expressing love that way is probably the most consistent way we can actually know him. It's sort of what Shannon was saying after worship there. It is the most consistent way. It's not the only way. Because God can do all sorts of crazy miracles and divine things to intervene in our life and show himself to us. But the most consistent way for us to know his love and for others to know his love is to walk in his love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Now first notice that. Love comes from God the kind of love we're talking about does not come from the world it doesn't come from anything that is in the world and it cannot come from anyone that's in the world or any place that's in the world the kind of love we're talking about flows from the very heart of God the creator of all things and what it says here, it says, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves, and we're talking about not love like the world talks about. We're talking about his kind of love. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now that word knows is the word experiences God. You know, when you experience something, you come to know it in a fuller measure. It's not just a head knowledge of God. It's not just a biblical uh, theology of God. But when you love, what it says is, is when you walk in his love, you are, the flow of that love through you causes you to experience his love. It causes you to actually understand who he really is. When you show love to somebody else in the sense of the way he describes love, you're actually experiencing the very same way he looks towards you. And so it says, he who loves knows God, and whoever does not uh, love does not know God, for God is Love, And so it's important for us to understand that if we want to know God, the magnitude to which we learn to walk in love is the magnitude to which we will know God and others will know him. Now I have that highlighted in red and also high, uh, in red letters and also highlighted in blue highlight. 
So I'm going to say it again. It says, the magnitude to which we learn to walk in love. See, everybody wants to know God. You know, even Christians, you know, we want to know God. Looking for great worship services and revival services. And they'll, they'll chase around the world to get to a service where they can know God. The magnitude to which you will know God is the level to which you walk in his love. You can go to every single praise and worship service you can find every night of the week, but if you walk out of there as you're mean as a cuss, you will not know him. You will have had your emotions tickled and goosebumps on your skin, but you will not know him. Because love is the embodiment of who God is. And so it's through this practice of love that we differentiate ourselves from also the world around us. Notice Jesus said this. He says, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, we read this already, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. When we love, it says that there's something that will happen to cause people to say, that person is a follower of Jesus. Now that tells me that the kind of love we're talking about has to be uncommon to what the world is talking about when they talk about love today. <laughs> right? I mean, you can turn on any music award show and somebody's going to talk about love. But there's no God in the midst of a lot of what's going on there. Right? So the love we're talking about is a unique, uncommon kind of love that is different than that that would cause people to say, man, that is, that, is, that is a Jesus follower, right? And so we're talking about walking in that kind of love. The heart, and so it's important for us to understand that as a church, if we want to reach people, we, you know, I said this yesterday, we can go out and pass out flyers all day long to the surrounding neighborhood and ask them to come. But if we're just trying to you know, get church members, we'd be better off just staying home and not passing them out. But if we're going because we truly love people that are sitting around this church and those houses and understand that there is a love that we have that's been given to us by God that is uncommon to anything in the world and can help their life and we want to bless them that way, that kind of love will grow a church. Right? And so that's what we're talking about. The heart of man, the heart of man is looking for this unique kind of love. Not a natural love, but love like Jesus called us a love. And so Christ's love is different. Well, how is it different? Notice Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love. So here comes a demonstration of his love. You want to know what God's love is? Here it is. You ready? In that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Verse 10, even when we were God's enemies, he made peace with us because his son died for us. See, what does that tell me? How is God's love uncommon? Let me tell you how God's love is uncommon. God's love is uncommon is because it is a love that is not based on reciprocation. Reciprocation, if I said that right, right? See, the world's kind of love says, I love you because you're doing something for me. I love you because you wind my watch stem. I love you because you make me happy. But you watch all the great music shows in the world and all the great worldly people that talk about this kind of love. The minute you do them wrong, they don't love you no more. They're ready to kick you to the curb and find the next person's going to meet their need. 
See, what we've got in the world around us is a bunch of consumers. Consuming and consuming and consuming to try to satisfy a hole in them that only the love of God can satisfy. The love of God flowing through them and out of them and the love of God flowing into them from the heart of the Father. See, this love is not based on reciprocation. This love that we're talking about is the kind of love God showed. It says, when we were still sinners, we were not giving anything into the relationship with him. Nothing. And his mindset was not, well, I ain't getting anything out of this from you, so I'm, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. His mindset was, even though you're not giving me anything, I am going to love you anyway. That's uncommon when you really have to walk it out in everyday life. We can, you know, we can all smile and, you know, woohoo, that's right, Pastor, that's good stuff, right? But when you walk out of here after church today and Monday morning, somebody's not giving you what you want and you have to make a decision to say, I'm going to love you anyway. That's uncommon if you make a choice to do that. Can I get an amen? See, you can, and some people say, well, I just don't know if I can do that, you know. I said this before, you have it in you to do this. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the ability to show this kind of love. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. God's love, if you've accepted Jesus, is in your heart. Now, your flesh and your unrenewed mind may not want to. I mean, when somebody does you wrong, you may want to punch them in the face and slap them around a little bit, right, and kick them while they're down. Can I get an amen or on me, right? <laughs> but deep down in the recesses of your born-again spirit, if you're a Christian, there is the love of God. Now, why is that important? Because in real life, that matters. In real relationships, that matters. If you don't want relationships to fracture, if you don't want the people that you love the most to be hurt by the decisions you make, then you've got to make choices to say, I am going to love you anyway, even when you're not at your best. And so we're encouraged to grow in this love. That's just my introduction. Is that okay? Man. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write unto you. So what's he saying there? He said, everybody... You know, it's always, love's always talked about, right? And I believe what he's saying there is, I don't need to tell you necessarily what love is, but I'm going to anyway, right? Why? Hoping the Holy Spirit will grab a hold of what he says and just get in there and work on us, right? But he says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you or you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So you know, if you, God's in your heart, you know you're supposed to love your brother. You know you're supposed to forgive him, Right? You know you're supposed to bless him even though he may not be blessing you at the moment. Verse 10 says, and indeed you, you do so toward all the brethren. But we urge you, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. See, that's why love can always be your number one goal because you'll never arrive yet. You'll never arrive there. There will always be opportunity for you to grow in the love of God. And so, and so that needs to be our goal. And so that's what we're doing in this series. We've been talking about the love of God. Now, I would encourage you, you know, we've got these out online. I would encourage you, go back and listen to these. Not because I want, you know, to up the number of visits on our website. I, because it's good. I, it, honestly, uh, and I, I say this humbly, I mean, it's just, it's just good stuff. It's helping me. And I got to tell you, if it's helping me, I'm hard-headed. It's got to be able to help you because you're, you're smarter than I am. 
But I would encourage you, go out to the website, listen to it again, digest it, listen to it, because we've been talking about things. First of all, we pointed out is love is not a feeling like some people think. Just because you don't feel like loving somebody doesn't mean you can't show them the love of God. Some people think love is a feeling. Some people think, well, when I feel like loving you, I will. But I got to tell you, the real love of God comes into play when you don't feel like loving them, but you choose to do it anyway. Amen. We also pointed out that love is not something we just talk about. It's something we actually do. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What's he saying? He's saying, don't just love by your words, but love in what you do. Go, go practice it. Go do it. So at the outset of this series, one of the things we ask everybody to do is just make a commitment in your heart that what I'm going to do in, for the next 12 weeks when I come to church is I am going to go do what I hear. I'm actually going to do it. You know, if you make that choice, I promise you, there will be some swallow hard moments in your life. You know what I mean by swallow hard moments? Well, you just got to suck it up and say, I'm going to do it, even though I don't understand it, even though it don't make no sense, I'm still going to love. Amen? And then we pointed out last week that uh, when we were together that, you know, love prefers. So one of the first things we're going to do if we're going to love is love prefers others. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Be kindly affectionate one toward another, and brotherly love honor in honor preferring one another. So what does love do? It esteems someone as more important than myself. It says, You're more important than me. You want know, to sometimes some of the, re you know, a lot of the decisions we make in our life is because of what we want and what we need. And it has nothing to do what, with, with thinking about, you know, how would this bless someone else or how would this hurt someone else. And so that's really what I want to get to and talk to today is, I want to talk to you today about, you know, um, is, is this mindset of, of loving others and preferring others and taking it even a step further in doing so. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8 says this in verse 10. It says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For, the, for, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So what that tells me first of all is, is you know what, you don't have to worry about all the do's and don'ts in your relationship with God. If you'll just walk in love, you'll fulfill them all. You'll actually fulfill what he's called you to be. Verse 10 says, know this, it says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law so what I want to talk to you about today is that love won't harm somebody love will not work ill towards his neighbor notice what it says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 10 it says love never everybody say never that's a pretty all-inclusive word isn't it that's a word it says never that means that there's not an option out of this there's not a scenario where this doesn't have you know so it says love never does anything that is harmful to a neighbor so that tells me if we're going to be people that walk in love we need to weigh our decisions and weigh the things we do and ask the question of ourselves is what I'm about to do going to hurt them even though it might help me amen everybody say uncommon that's not only uncommon in the world, that's uncommon in the church. <laughs> well, I just ain't getting what I want anymore, so, you know, I'm going to scoot on down the street. Right? 
Romans chapter 13 and verse 10 says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Love stops for a minute and says, how is the decisions I'm going to make going to affect other people around me? That's what love does. That's what mature Christian love does. And so today I want to talk to you about that truth. Because we want to be a place, why am I sharing this? I, as a pastor, I'm sharing this first of all because I'm commanded to teach you this, right? In your own personal walk. But another reason I'm teaching this is because I honestly, I want to be a church that where, where people walk in here, they feel like, you know what, these people have my back. I can count on these people not to do something that's going to hurt me intentionally. You know, how many of you realize people do stupid stuff all the time and they don't realize they've done it and we need to be forgiving and loving towards that and we'll talk about that in a later message. But, I, but you know what? I want to be a church where when people walk in here through the actions, that not from what we say, but from the actions that we have, our mindset is, I don't care how much you're not giving in to me, I'm going to love you and bless you and help you and I got your back. I am not going to work any harm toward you in your life. I got to tell you, that's uncommon in a world around us. So how do we do that? How do we fulfill that place? How do we provide an atmosphere where people are, have the least opportunity to be harmed by us? Let me tell you, there's just two ways to do it, and, and this applies to anything in your Christian life for that matter. We, we apply this to our life through our words and through our actions. Everybody say words. Everybody say actions. I want to talk to you about actions first. If we're going to protect and not harm others, we must be careful and look before we leap. Everybody say, look before you leap. <laughs> to grow in love, we must, we, you cannot be an impetuous person. You have to be a thoughtful perspective, you gain perspective of the situation before you make the choices in your life. You know, so many times in the heat of the moment, we may make a decision because we're, we're basing that decision on the way the moment is affecting us. But not stepping back from the eyes and the lens of love to say, wait a minute, let me look at this from the other perspective. Let's take me out of the equation for a minute and let me think about this. How is this going to affect them? How is this going to hurt them? How is this, is this going to help them? Is this going to be non-impactful to them, Right? I mean, every decision we make is going to be impactful, but i got to tell you, if what we're going to do and what we're about to do does more harm than good, but it helps us, wrong decision. Wrong decision. Why? Because love never makes a choice to hurt someone. You say, well, does that mean you shouldn't, you know, well, you say, what about my kid? Yeah, I'm not talking about discipline, Right? I'm not, we'll talk about tough love and all this stuff, but I, you know, I think so many times we try to qualify stuff. I said it last week. Jesus said just to love your neighbor. He didn't put prioritization on it. He didn't say love them, but in this case, don't. I mean, there are certain things, but how many of you realize sometimes he just put it out there and said just do it, right? So love works no ill towards his neighbor. So to walk in love consistently, we must always ask this question before we make a decision. And this requires not being impetuous, not making knee-jerk decisions. It requires thoughtful time before the Lord when you make decisions that are going to affect other people. You must ask yourself this question. How is what I'm about to do going to affect others? How is what I'm going to do going to affect others? This is the essence of living in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. Notice what Paul said. He said, everything is permissible. Now that's a powerful statement if you're a believer, right? 
In the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about Jesus, when he died on the cross and shed his blood for your sins, he forgave you for everything, past, present, and future. Every sin you've ever committed has already been forgiven by Jesus. Right? So some would say, well, hot diggity, it's already forgiven. Let's just go live like the devil. Woohoo! Right? That ain't what he's saying. He said, just because you're forgiven by God doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's permissible for you to go out and do that. It doesn't mean that it pleases God for you to go out and do that. He says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should, and right in the context of that, this is what he says, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. See, there's a lot of people, I just got to do what's right by me. I got to draw my boundaries. I got to, you know, I've said this before, I got to do, do my truth. But what he's saying there is he's saying everything, it might be permissible for you to go do that. God's given you a right to choose. Right? But what he's saying there is don't go on with your bad self. Stop for a minute and ask yourself the question, how is what I'm about to do going to affect people that I supposedly say I love and care about? Right? Notice I said supposedly. Jesus said if you can't love your brother that you can see, how can you love your father that you don't see? Yet we make selfish decisions every single day based on what's best for us, even if it's going to hurt someone else. Not us, because we're talking about everybody outside these four walls, right? Can I get an amen or an on me? Paul said that if we walk in love, we would fulfill the law of love. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. It says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another has fulfilled the law. For, the, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Notice those are all, those are all the do's and don'ts, right? Those are the biblical, don't smoke, drink, and chew, and run around with those that do, right? That's, that's what that is. Thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly, notice this though, he says, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. What's he saying there? He's saying if we stop in the moments of our life when we're about to make decisions and ask the question, how is this going to impact someone else? It's going to cause us many times to say, you know, that's going to hurt them. I'm not going to do that. That's what mature Christian love will do. And you know what? That will fulfill all the other stuff, right? Weigh your decisions. Just weigh your decisions against how's this impacting. I got to tell you, if people will walk in that kind of love, we'll eliminate a lot of things, even in Christendom. <laughs> Amen. You want to know why churches grow and churches don't grow? And you want to know why churches split and all those different things? It's because people don't do this. Plain and simple. I, I can assure you this. Any church you go to ain't a perfect church. But if God has parked you in a place, and I'm not, this is not a bid for anything. I just, you know, um, but, but if God has parked you in a place for, for a period of time and you're there and you're growing from it, then you need to think long and hard before you just up and say, well, I'm just going to go somewhere else. A mature Christian does that. But, but most of the Christian world, 95 to 99% of them are only about this wide and about that deep in their relationship with the Lord because they don't, they don't go this deep. They ain't willing to go this deep. They ain't willing to say, you know what? 
But I'm going to tell you something. Can I, can I get real real with you guys? I, I'm very careful at times to put my own life on display because I never want to come across as arrogant. Man, I, I, am, I am the least perfect, per, perfect person in this room. I, if you knew me, <laughs> Delise would probably say, yeah, yeah, I know him. <laughs> One of the best decisions I ever made in my life was there was a moment in time where I was ready to leave and not pastor this church anymore. I was ready to leave because it, didn't, it had nothing to do with the people. My kids were really young. We were still meeting in a storefront, and we didn't have everything to offer that I wanted my kids to have. We just didn't. We didn't have a, a dynamic children's ministry. Our youth group was not a big burgeoning youth group. And I, I was thinking about me and my family. Right? Because how many of you realize that's important? That's a priority for you as a believer. And I was thinking about me as a, as a and I thought, Lord, you know, I, I don't want my kids to grow up missing out on what, what, what it is that you want them to have. And I just remember the Lord speaking to my heart and said, I am bigger and can take care of your children better than you can. And what he was really saying to me is, is if you'll stay regardless of how big your children's ministry is or youth ministry is, your children will turn out just fine. And, and, I, I, and I'm, not, I'm not one to brag on my kids, but I'm very grateful for how the relationship my children have. And I believe this with all of my heart. I believe one of the reasons, man, my children are the way they are. And I, honestly, please, please know I'm saying this in all humility, please. But I believe one of the reasons my children are the way they are because I made choices. I made choices in my life to say, it doesn't matter whether I'm getting what I want to get out of this. It matters that I'm obeying God and giving to people what I have to give to the best of my ability. If my family falls short because of it, guess what? God's going to take care of my family. See, that's the kind of love we're being called to walk in as believers. That's uncommon. That is uncommon. People hop from church to church to church because they're consumers. They're, a church to them is nothing more than a McDonald's or a Burger King. And when I don't get it my way, I'm going to find another place that'll do it my way. When actually, when God plugs you into a place, it's important for you to look around the room around you, and it's important to say to yourself, you know, I'm here to be a blessing. That's why the, the, the end goal of our vision is to be a blessing. It's not to be blessed. It's to lay down our life and sacrifice for others. It's to put others first. It's to work no ill toward, towards his neighbor. And so our actions have consequences. And if we're going to walk in love, we have to answer, ask the question before we jump in. And then when we're in a relationship, how is this going to affect others? Is it going to help them or going to hurt them? And I can tell you, if it's going to hurt them, it ain't God. It ain't. It's selfish. And you know what? God forgives us. People move on, and I, I don't, I'm not bitter. I, I refuse to be bitter. People have to move on. They have to. They go ahead, right? And, and I'm not saying you always have to be, stay where you're going to be, but I'm just saying, have you considered the consequence of your decisions? So the other, other area we have to work, can I get an amen on that? We could go home on that one. One more, one more area. Not only just our actions, but our words. Everybody say your words. Another way that we need to consider others is, the, is through the words we choose to speak in our life. You know, words are very powerful and can 
often underestimate the power, we really underestimate the power that those words have. Words can create things in people, words can motivate nations, words can help people and build people up, words can also destroy people and tear them down. And because of this, if we're going to work no ill towards our neighbor, we have to be very careful about the words we choose to speak. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not to put them down and not to cut them out. How many of you realize that? What that says is there is, is that the goal of every conversation is to build people up, not to tear them down. Boy, i got to tell you what, that'd change a lot of coffee table conversations we have, wouldn't it? It might change a lot of conversations we have over lunch today. But if we're going to grow in this love, we've got to stop and arrest ourselves and say, I've got to change. I have to change. I have to change. Amen? See, James chapter 1 and verse 9 says, how, well, how, do you, how do you stop that from happening? I can tell you right now, just be slow to speak. Look at your neighbor and say, be slow to speak. See, y'all should have waited a minute before y'all said that. Just be slow to speak. As Andy Griffith says, just don't let that greasy little word come out of your mouth. Just pull the trigger, hold, hold back on it. James chapter 1 and verse 19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But you know what? We probably look at that in reverse. Everybody should be quick to become angry, quick to speak, and slow to listen. That's the human nature, right? That's the flesh. That's the unrenewed mind. But what we have to do is, is in situations where, where we're not getting what we want out of the situation, we don't need to lash out and say hurtful words. We need to hold our tongue and be slow to speak. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 28 says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Right? It says a righteous person will weigh his answer. He'll stop for a moment. i got to tell you, the most hurtful and most broken relationships I've ever had in my life are broken because of the words that I've spoken that I wish I'd have never spoken after I had time to think about it. Times where I responded in anger or times where I defended myself because I thought I was being threatened and so my conceit and my pride was upset about it, so I lashed out at somebody in words. But if we want to be everything God has called us to be, we must choose our words wisely. And there are two categories of words that I'm talking about. First of all, direct words. Everybody say direct words. These are the words that we speak directly to individuals. When speaking directly with others, we must let love shape the words into words of blessing and not cursing. I put this in red. Love will keep you away from the zingers. How many of you know what a zinger is? You ever been in an argument with somebody, and I mean they're going at it, and you just like, I know the right thing to say to really cut them to the quick. Ooh, it'll chop them off at the knees. It'll feel so good to say it to my flesh. Love will stop you from doing that. How many of you, how many, have you, how many can change in that regard? Amen. Actually, love will not allow you to do that, and it's really, to be honest with you, can I just call a spade a spade? It's just moral weakness when you lash out at somebody in anger with your words. It really is. It's just, you know, uh, you got hurt or something happened and you weren't strong enough to say, I'm going to let love. But you are strong enough so you can do it in the future. Amen? Don't say hurtful words. Marriages, a little just for marriages. 
I would, I would encourage you in your marriages, be careful about the words you choose to speak in the heat of the moment. You know, me and Delise have really made it a practice in our lives to try to do this. Um, it's not my job to tell her how she needs to live. And it's not her job to tell me how I need to live. It's my job to love her for who she is and her job to love me for who I am. And I can tell you, as I always say, we're as happy as two pigs in a bucket of poop. Because we practice that. People may think this is a, you know, people don't even, may not believe this. I, I can honestly tell you this. We've never been in a heated argument. Never. In 22 years. Probably because she's more loving than I am. Because <laughs> I can be sometimes direct with my words and she just smiles. I always say that, you know, she, you, you could back over her with the car and she'd say, I'm sorry for getting in the way. But in a relationship, you have to be very careful about the words you speak. And so we've always practiced this. I'm just going to give you a little life application that you can use to help you not use words that will be harmful to your marriages. Um, in the heat of the moment, how many of you realize in the heat of the moment when somebody's not doing what you want to do, it's glaring and you want to say something about it? How many of you realize that? I would encourage you in your relationships, don't say anything about it in that moment. If you have to write it down or whatever, put it off somewhere, Right? Me and Delisa have always practiced this. Now, the longer we've lived together, the fewer, the less we've had. Well, maybe we still need to do it, honey. Probably I still need to do it. But um, the less we've had to do it because we've worked on it, right? But I would encourage you in the heat of the moment when you see something that's not satisfying your need and you're in a relationship that, you know, you're committed to, just remember what it is. And what we've always done is we've taken time every month, out, uh, in, and it's less, fewer and far between now because we've really, she's ironed all the junk, a lot of junk off of me. So, amen. <laughs> But we've, we've actually had dedicated times where it wasn't a date night. It was a night where we'd go out and sit down at the dinner table, and I'd say to her, hey, how can I do better? And she'd say the same thing, how can I do better? Now, that's a great opportunity for you to then share, you know what, this is where I'm not getting out of the relationship that I really need, and it would be helpful, right? That, that, and, and if you both come to the table with that mindset of, I'm not going to defend myself, I'm truly coming to open up my heart and say, how do I need to change to make you happier because I love you? You know, there have been times we've gone out and done it, and she's like, ah, nothing, because she's really sweet. And I have to say, come on, honey, I just, I, come on, tell me something. Well, you haven't been doing the laundry a lot lately to help me. <laughs> right? And I could, well, you just don't know how busy I, because in the heat of the moment, right? When she's doing the laundry, how come you never do the laundry? I'm always doing the laundry, right? It never works that way. It always turns into an argument. But in, the, in that moment, you know, I recognize, you know what? I could, I could have said, you know, you don't know how hard I'm working. I'm working two jobs. I got a secular job. I'm a pastor. And I'm, you know, you don't know the pressure. I'm a, right? I could have done that. But I recognized it was something the person that God has given me that should be the most cherished in my life needed to occasionally just throw a load of wash in the laundry. I could probably do a better job of that, couldn't I? Right? So I had to suck it up and say, okay, honey, I'm going to work on that. And not just I'm going to work on it but not do it, right? Because you know, I'm going I'm to work on it. I would encourage you that that will allow you not to say direct words in the heat of the moment. So if you're not going to hurt people, you got to watch your words that you speak to them. The other area you got to watch your words are the words that are spoken but never heard by the individual. Words that are spoken but never heard by the individual. You know what I'm talking about? 
you're sitting in a room with a bunch of people and their name comes up and they're not there and you talk about all the things that are wrong with them and how silly they are and how stupid they are and all those things how they did you wrong and how, all that right I will tell you that love won't do that amen oh me Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 verse 9 says love must be sincere that word sincere is the uh, Greek word that means unhypocritical. What do I mean by what's a, what's a hypocrite? Well, the word hypocrite or that word was actually a, a theatrical term, and it was used for people that would put a mask on when they were acting, right? They weren't what you, they appeared to be. And that's what he's saying is love must be what it appears to be. It should not be what it doesn't appear to be. I walk into church. I shake your hand. I love you. You're so sweet. You're so great. And you go home and the words coming out of your mouth are everything but sweet and great about them. They're so this. They're so that. They're so goofy. They're so that. It's They're negative tearing down words. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. What is it saying there? It's saying, be devoted to that person. Treat them like you would your most cherished family member. Whoever that may be, right? For you mamas, if somebody starts talking bad about your child, I mean, there's a fight going to happen, right? Treat everybody that way then with your own words. Because they're all God's little boy and God's little girl. I'm not going to speak ill of them. I'm not going to talk bad about them. I'm not going to talk about the stupid things they're doing. I mean, you realize if you can't say something good at all, just don't say it. Find something else to talk about. Can I get an amen? You know, that may mean you may have to change the subject in some conversations where that's become a habit in some of your relationships to talk about certain people. You may have to have the gumption to stand up and say, you know what, love doesn't talk bad about them, so I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Let's find another subject or let's talk about something good they do. And I can tell you, if you look hard enough, you can always find something good, right? Always. I remember Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, the founder of our school, told a story one time about a guy that, well, I mean, he was the meanest guy in town. I mean, he was not born again. He was mean. He was awful. He treated people bad. He stabbed people in the back. He did everything wrong and he died. He was at the barbershop cutting his hair, and everybody was talking bad about him, and Brother Hagin just sitting there getting his hair cut, being quiet. And he said, well, Brother Hagin, what do you have to say about him? He stopped for a minute, and he said, he sure could whistle good. We need to be people that don't practice good old Southern hospitality, you know? Oh, this cake is so good. And you walk away from the covered dish dinner scene. Man, that was the most horrible thing ever. Now, we're not talking about cakes right we're talking about people we need to be people that walk in love with our words even with others around so that people here understand this about grace family church if you if, if you call this your home or if you don't call this your home we got your back we love you we're not going to speak ill of you we're going to bless you and pray for you why because you're family amen Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, you, just, just as in fact you are doing. Notice what he says is we need to speak words that build people up. Psalm 15 and verse 1 as the musicians come. Psalm 15 verse 1 and verse 3. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? That's an important question, isn't it? 
Who will live in your sanctuary and who will dwell in your holy hill? So that's a really important question. Who is it that's going to dwell with God? Verse 3. He who has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, and casts no slur on his fellow man. So what does that tell me? It's not the person that knows the most about the Bible. It's not the person who can sing the greatest. It's not the person who shouts the most. It's not the person who any of those things. The person that will dwell and walk with God in their everyday life is the person who accomplishes what we've been talking about. Doesn't slander his brother, doesn't uh, do wrong to his neighbor, and doesn't slur his fellow man. What that tells me is every time, you ready for this? Every time we choose to speak ill of others, we are distancing ourselves from our Heavenly Father. We're not just talking about Him. We're taking a step away from God. And we're solidifying attitudes in ourselves that are not God-like attitudes by the very words that we speak. So that the next time we see that person, we can be just even more disingenuous to them because we've spoken bad behind their back, but we act like we love them. We need to be people that walk in love. Amen? Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let's be people that are conscious enough to stop and ask the question, if I'm going to be a person of love, then how is my decision going to impact them? Is it going to hurt them or is it going to help them? There are a lot of decisions we would make, and there are a lot of decisions we wouldn't make if we weighed the decision based upon that criteria. And that is our highest calling. Amen? Amen. We'll close with this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another, you know, as I was thinking about this, you know, these messages can be really hard messages for us because they require us to change. They can even cause us to be like, man, I have really, man, I'm so far off the mark, I just really stink, you know. But this is what God calls us to because this is who he is. So you know what that tells me? God doesn't speak ill of you this morning. When you ain't around... He ain't saying to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, boy, that one, that's that's a bad one's a a mess. He ain't saying that about you. Because he loves you. He's walking in the highest form of love. He is speaking the good things. Hey, that person has in them my spirit. That person, if they're born again, that person has the ability to be great. That person, they may have made, let's not even talk about the bad decision. That's forgiven, that's forgotten. Let's look at the future that they have. That is the God that we serve. So as we worship him this moment, this morning one last time, and we make commitments in our heart to walk in this kind of love, I want you to remember that you're not coming to God this morning as, as a failure in this area even in your life. You're coming to him as his child, and he looks at you and says, it's okay, I love you. I love you, and there's great things in store for you. And you're perfectly right with me because of the blood of my son. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that's in it. You're a great, great God, and you've called us to great places in your love. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to fall upon us right now. 
Help us be people of love. Help us not view life through the lens of ourself. Help us not view life through the lens of ourself. Let us prefer our brother. Let us contemplate the choices we make and the words we say before we say them. So that we can truly stand before you and say, I'm, not, I'm doing my best to not work ill towards anyone. I'm not going to make a harmful choice. I'm going to love them. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to bless them. And I'm not going to hold anything against them. I'm going to see them like you see them, a child of God that you love. Thank you for that, Father. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.